From your local Houston BMW Center Studios, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth. I'm joined by the one and only Uncle Funky Larry Jones. How you doing, man? KGG, I'm well, sir. Good Happy Sunday morning. How are you? I'm, I'm great. Happy 4th to you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, dealing with the 4th, America's birthday. Here it is. Uh, it, it really wouldn't be nothing if it wasn't for our military Absolutely. Uh, and our veterans. Now, men and women who have served. And, you know, it's close to my heart because my uh, my first cousin, uh, Billy Martin, served Vietnam veteran. He was uh, he, he paid the ultimate sacrifice. So ever since uh, 1973, 74, man, I've always done my best to help veterans, dis- disabled veterans, men and women as best I could across the country. And yeah, because they get a raw deal. Ooh, you know, in, they, in so many different areas, man. That's what we have. I'm so happy to have our guest on this morning. Talk yeah, about this. Yeah, this is this is going to be amazing. He is the founder and CEO of VA Claims Insider, a coaching and consulting company whose mission is to educate and empower veterans uh, on how to get uh, the VA disability benefits that they have earned for their honorable service uh he is a former active duty air force officer uh, deployed in afghanistan um got the defense uh service medal he is a distinguished graduate of the uh, management of the united states air force academy mm-hmm. earned an mba at uh, the national honor scholars from the spear school of business at oklahoma state university ladies and gentlemen please welcome veteran Brian Reese to the Public Affairs Podcast. Good morning, sir. Thank you, so, thank you so much, y'all. I appreciate you having me on. Man, uh, full salute, Brian. Full I gotta, salute. Yeah, he's got it. I got it up. I got. I got to drop being at, at attention and get to at ease right now because we. You've got some great information. <laughs> you've got a brand new book. Uh, we're excited to have you on, man, to help our men and women of the military who are still listening to us uh, via their. Yeah. Uh, apps around the globe. So as KG just said, welcome yeah. in, my friend, and, and let's uh, let's help some folks this morning. Yeah. I got a special, um, uh, I have an affinity for the Air Force. My grandmother worked at Wright Pat Air Force Base in uh, Dayton for like oh, 30 wow. years. Okay. And yeah. so I remember yeah. uh, going uh, going to work with her sometimes and getting on the airplanes and seeing, because her job was like scheduling uh, the planes and stuff. And so she worked there for over 30 years, you know, retired. And uh, so was always fascinated with planes and well see there's here just before hang on brian we 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 got some more stuff to make you feel better my birth city of montgomery alabama is home to maxwell air force base used to be ogana air force base and this is where a lot of these men and women were trained to fly these huge planes so yeah we share that as well nice well, gentlemen, thank you for sh- thank you for sharing that. I got to add just a couple things here. So I've spent a lot of time uh, during my active duty career, and then even as a Department of Defense civil servant with the Air Force, uh, spent a lot of time at Wright Patterson uh, right there in Dayton, Ohio. Oh wow! Uh, attended <laughs> attended a number of military training courses uh, myself at Maxwell Air Force Base, um, in Alabama. <laughs> it. It, yeah, it, it's such a small world. Isn't that great, man? Uh, yeah. <laughs> great. yeah. 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 This is great. Listen, you, you all do so much for uh, this country, uh, for this nation. And it really saddens my heart when I see, you know, homeless men who are veterans who serve this country and they don't have, a dime to their name 
they fight for our, you know, our rights and our freedoms and they come back over here and, and, and the government just spits them out as if, you know, they didn't come back to protect the very thing that, you know, we hold near and dear and true to our heart. You have an incredible book uh, that is out that is going to help all of our veterans uh, called You Deserve It, the definitive guide to getting the veterans benefits you've earned. First of all, why is it such a trick and a trap and a game for the government to give back to veterans what they rightfully deserve? Yeah. There's, there's a dirty little secret that nobody wants to talk about, and, and that's why I talk about it. <laughs> so um, the, the issue, it's not that the Department of Veterans Affairs is trying to keep benefits from veterans. I, I don't believe that, and that hasn't been my experience uh, helping over 15,000 veterans in our membership program. What it is is the, the real problem is not the VA, the real problem is the bureaucracy and the convoluted process within the VA, okay? And that's what we help veterans do. We, we make VA benefits easy, and that's not an oxymoron. And, and look, I was a college hockey player. I, I'm, I'm not the, the sharpest crayon in the box, and so I have to keep things simple. And literally what I've done through about 10,000 hours of deep research, writing, coaching, I, I love to analyze the data. I love to look at what's really going on and, and make assumptions and use that data to help drive our decisions to help veterans. And again, the problem is the process. The problem is veterans feel alone. Veterans lose, we lose our identity when we take off the uniform and guess what when you wear the uniform you are like the most important thing in the world to the big military machine and when you decide to get out you separate you retire maybe you're medically retired or discharged they kick your butt out the door and and you're forgotten and i think that's wrong it's why we have a mental health crisis in this country especially among our military veterans. It's why U.S. military veteran suicide is 50% higher when compared to those who didn't serve. It's a lack of community. It's a lack of identity. We feel like we, we don't know who we are anymore when we leave the service. Okay, And so, again, what we do and my entire goal for this book is I tell you the incredible benefits available to you, okay, for your honorable service to our country. And then I actually tell you how to get them, okay? So I share some of the very strategies we employ every single day inside of our company at VA Claims Insider. I share that inside the book. And look, this book has the potential to change your life. And I don't say that lightly. Okay, so so let me just let me just share a couple quick little stories. I'll, I'll try to be quick. At the height of the pandemic, I get an email from a fellow veteran who sends me literally he sends me a personal note 
says, Brian, I know you don't know who I am, but I'm a member of your program. I worked with one of your coaches. They helped me educate me on my, the disability process and help me get through it and do everything I needed to do. I just wanted to tell you, man, you helped save my house. I can now make my mortgage payment and I can provide for my six-year-old daughter. I mean, that, that's the type of email and messages and phone calls that we hear every day from our veterans. Mm. You're trying to change uh, these astonishing statistics. Eight out of 10 veterans are not receiving the benefits that they deserve by law. Less than yeah. 25% or 4.9 million of veterans alive today receive disability benefits by the U.S. Department of, of Veterans Affairs. And your book says that there's, it, it's more than money. It, you know, it's about some of these other programs that you talk about, the home loan benefits and health care benefits and, and so on. It's, it's so huge. And I, I want to talk about the stats real quick because, uh, again, I'm a data geek. I like to understand the why. And, and those are statistics, by the way, that are reported to Congress by the Veterans Benefits Administration at the VA. They, they have an annual report that they submit to Congress. And the latest annual report is about 4.9 million veterans alive today in the world receive anything from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Okay. Well, the estimates are there's about 20 million veterans alive in the world today. It's, it's estimated. It ranges from, say, 18 to 22 million. But that means 75% of veterans alive today don't have any benefits at all. And look, that's shameful. Wow. And that is why I have devoted my life to this work. This work changes lives. This work saves lives. This work saves marriages. This work allows you to keep your home. This work allows you to get the health care and medical benefits you need. This work allows you to get connected with mental health resources mm-hmm. at the VA. And so, look, I mean, you, you, you can probably hear it in my voice. I am so passionate about this as a fellow disabled veteran mm-hmm. serving fellow disabled veterans. Brian, and I don't mean to interrupt your story because it is so great and so compelling. How how can a brother or a sister fall through the cracks? How does a veteran not have benefits? And I know that might be a broad question, but it, I, KG and I are just sitting here looking at each other like, how, how, how does this happen? Why does it happen? I, exactly. exactly. So, look, that's a fantastic question, and, and I've got a three-part answer. Because we've conducted the surveys. We have asked. We've, we've, we get about 250,000 veterans a month that come to our websites. And so we ask them, Hey, just tell us, uh, you know, tell us anonymously what, what is going on here? Why don't you have benefits or why didn't you pursue benefits when you took off the uniform? What happened? Okay. The number one reported reason I told myself I didn't deserve it. What? Think about that. Okay. (laughs) Now once I explain it, it's going to make sense. Okay. 
we are indoctrinated in the United States military with core values like integrity first, service before self, excellence in all we do. And I'll tell you guys, I internalized service before self Mm. as the same thing as service at the expense of self. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that. And so it's a cultural thing in the military. It's trained into us, becomes foundational in our beliefs that our responsibilities are to our fellow men and women in uniform, our brothers and sisters in arms. It's, It's take care of them first. The mission is so important. You always get the mission done no matter what. And we suck it up and we carry on. Wow. We, we, act, we act like we're fine when we're not. And we transition out of the service. We carry that same attitude with us. And we tell ourselves, other veterans have it worse off than I do. So they're the ones who actually deserve the benefits, not me. So it's That's a, a lie. Yeah, it, it's a matter of conditioning. You're, you're dumbing down. You're putting yourself or you're sacrificing yourself for your for your brother or sister, and I, I, I get that mentality. Um, I understand that because the, the I, I just understand that thought process, which is too bad because you're that guy. You also were that partner to the partner who looked out for the lookout who was there. It's a ripple it. effect, um, and I'm so glad that you and other patriots and veterans are, are standing strong and helping our men and women find find the path to getting what they need to go forward. So I'm going to take a slight pivot, Brian, and let you give the address. Uh, First of all, let's talk about the title of your book, um, your web address, all of your various platforms where folks can find and get this information because of what I hear, it's absolutely vital. It's it's so crucial. I mean, this, thank you guys for having me on. I, and I truly mean that. Because getting this message out today, somebody's going to hear this. Yes. A, a fellow veteran is listening to us right now, and this conversation might be the difference between them deciding to live or die today. That's that's how important this is. That's what's at stake in this country for our veterans. Okay, and so thank you truly for for having me and allowing me to do this. And so um, we just talked a lot about mindset. That's what the title of the book. You deserve it. I'm helping change their mindset to go, oh, yeah, I guess I do deserve it. (laughs) Okay? That's hence the title of the book. Again, fellow vets, I I really want to get a copy of this book in your hands because it could change your life. It could save your life. And you can find it online. Um, You you can do some Internet searches. It's available in, in Kindle ebook format or paperback on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, other boutique outlets online. Um, and if you, if you all need even more help, if you just need somebody to talk to, if you're feeling alone, if you're, if you're stuck, if you're frustrated, if you're underrated by the VA, if you're not getting the benefits you've earned for your service, check us out on the, on the web at vaclaimsinsider.com. You can start free. You can get connected to a coach. You can do a free discovery call. Um, and, you know, we can see if there's something else we could do to serve you. So, Brian, is there one specific need larger than another, or is it case by case? 
It's it's case by case, but I would tell you, uh, for the most part across the board, the biggest need is is in mental health. Mm, wow. Helping helping veterans be open, honest, and vulnerable about what they're really dealing with. And and guys, I can relate. I came home from Afghanistan with post traumatic stress disorder um, that that I wasn't willing to be honest about. I didn't want to confront it, and anxiety and depression. And I did what a lot of veterans do. I hid. I hid behind alcohol and drugs and, you know, destroyed my life. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky to be alive today. And I'm sober now. I'm getting help now. I take medications now. And I am one of the biggest proponents and advocates in this country for mental health. And that's for veterans and non-veterans. And you need to hear that message today. It's okay not to be okay. What's not okay is if you don't get help. Mm. Brian, in, in, in just a few minutes we have left, I'm, I'm very curious. When you're coming home and you're beginning to go through this, 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 this downturn, if you will, of being programmed a certain way, now you've learned how to deprogram yourself. Do you blame the government? Do you blame the military for not making you aware that this could happen to you after serving or is that part of the program, but it somehow gets washed away? I, I, you know, I, I, I'm hesitant to blame anybody. Um, you know, we're, we're an all-volunteer service. Correct. I, I volunteered to, to support and defend freedom. And so I, I'm not going to blame the military. I don't think that's fair. What I will say, though, is the Department of Defense needs to do a better job of teaching, training, equipping, coaching the issues surrounding mental health. And I'm not talking about these BS surveys, you know, <laughs> have you ever had this happen? I'm not talking about that. I right. mean, you need to get airmen. You need to get men and women in uniform to get in front of small groups of troops and tell their story. They need to tell the story about the time they were suicidal. They need to tell the story about the time they came home from deployment and their spouse had left them and their life crumbled and they started dealing with all of this mental and physical pain. And here was their path to recovery. Here's what they did. We have to make it okay. And within the military, they still haven't done that. It's not okay. It's not okay to talk about mental health. It's not okay to tell your commander, I'm struggling with this. Right. And the biggest fear for our active duty troops wearing the uniform is that if they're honest about their mental health, the doctors, the lawyers and the commanders are going to find out about it and they're going to kick them out of the service. That is why our active duty troops are not honest about mental health. There's a fear of getting kicked out of the military for having a mental health condition. Wow. Well, I, I, I thank God for you, man. I thank God for your 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 willingness to stand up and uh, share this important information with all the men and women who are listening right now. Man, God bless you, Brian. Thank you so much. Indeed. And the thank, book is thank, thank you guys. The book is called You Deserve It, the Definitive Guide to Getting the Veterans Benefits You've Earned. Veteran Brian Reese, man, thank you for coming on the Public Affairs Podcast with your uh, with your passion and, yes. and your scholarship of, of getting our veterans what they deserve. We appreciate you. 
You're very welcome. Thank you all for what you do and uh, love to come back anytime and share stories with our vets. Well, sir, you have an open door. Thank you all. For everyone else listening to the podcast, we'll be right back after this. From your local Houston BMW Center studios, welcome back to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth, joined by Uncle Funky Larry Jones. How you doing, Uncle? Hello, Chris from Ready to Love. <laughs> so you found love, did you? Good for you, sir. Uh, well, thank you. We all watched all Friday night and then Saturday morning. Yeah, it was great. And then uh, the reunion this past uh, Friday, wild times. It's great. Good, you know. We we happy. We're we're dating. People's you, you, they want wedding bells. They're waiting for wedding invitations. I'm like y'all. Nobody moves this fast in real life. It, like how your niece your niece Abby said, "Papi, I know him. I know him, Papi." Yes, that's KG. Yeah, it's been a it's been it's been a great. We're ride. all happy for you, man. Thank you. We're very excited for you. And Thank congratulations. You. Thank you. Yep. It Good was, stuff. It was great. Redemption. Redemption. Got it. I hope people know I wasn't going to. They weren't going to bring me back for a second season, and I was not going to go all the way. Yeah, really. Well, you found. You know, we we talk about. You know, yeah, we're I happy know. talk about. I, I, let me, let me I know. Start. We can we'll get it. We can get into all thing. that. Yeah. Listen, one of our favorite communities, a historic community Whew, in on, Houston, Fifth Ward. You know, they've got there. There's been a lot of. Um, redevelopment happening without a doubt in fifth war yeah. just in the what it's been eight years it'll be nine years this year in november uh, since i've been mm-hmm. here in houston and um i was actually at um an event uh, about uh about two months ago probably back in may okay uh from a houston native isaac yeoman yes who, uh opened up yes um an amazing, amazing facility um, for the arts community, um, the visual, you know, the studio there, you know, they can do um, some video work and all of that. And I um, I ran into um, one of the city's gyms, uh, Mr. Harrison Guy, mm-hmm. um, who I know from Urban Souls, which uh, I'm still the, the, the current reigning a champion of dancing with the Houston Stars, you know. He was there, and I and I also met another young lady, uh, Deshara Gross, and um, they are a part of and run the Fifth Ward Community Redevelopment uh, Center. Deshara is the Community Initiatives Manager, and Harrison is the Director of Arts and Culture up there. So um, welcome, you two, to the Public Affairs Podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having us. Indeed. Yes, thank you for having us. Yeah, so, um, man, tell us about the good things that are continually <laughs> happening in Fifth Ward. Well, there's just so much. As you said, you know, Fifth Ward is a historic African-American neighborhood, and for the last 30 years or so, it's just been going through continuous development and improvement. And we on our side with the Fifth Ward Redevelopment Corporation have really been working hard to increase um, home building and home buying in the Fifth Ward area, increasing opportunities for economic development. So working with some of our local small businesses and Fifth Ward Chamber of Commerce to bring in services and uh, 
um, partnerships for our small businesses, um, working to develop uh, the Cultural Art District, which Harrison will go into in a little bit later, but then also working with community residents to bring in partnerships for engaging activities. So us working with Isaac Yeoman was one of those activities in which we partnered with him to do a day of service. So Isaac came in and gave away free groceries at one of the local senior living facilities. He gave away art supplies at Mickey Leland Preparatory Academy. And then he had a great showing um, of some of his uh, past work for his friends and some community members. So we've been really trying to do our best to to stay engaged with what's happening in and around Fifth Ward and provide opportunities for folks to come in and just have a community where they could really live, work, grow, and play. Nice. Um, for those, you, you know, Houston is steadily growing by the week. I mean, <laughs> so many people from everywhere, New York, L.A., Chicago, St. Louis, I mean, coming up from Florida, everywhere are coming here. Can you give us the... Uh, history, a brief history on the Fifth Ward Community Redevelopment Corporation. Yes, so uh, Fifth Ward CRC was established um, in the late 1980s, so 1989 to be exact, and we have been a pillar and steward of development in Fifth Ward. So over time, we've worked with Habitat for Humanity, other local community nonprofits to build over a thousand homes in the area. We provide services for disaster recovery. So after Hurricane Harvey hit, it hit Fifth Ward really, really hard. And we jumped up and said, we're here to help take care of our community. So we helped rebuild and repair a lot of those homes, provide financial services. So giving people aid relief checks, helping replace furniture and bedding. Um, after Tropical Storm Imelda, we did the same thing. And then we recently have been assisting with providing relief after COVID, uh, COVID relief checks and Winter Storm Uri uh, relief and repair. So we have been working really hard to provide information and access to services and needed repairs for the community. Mm. And uh, mm -hmm. like I said, it's a historic African-American neighborhood, and we have been here over 100 years, um, and it's just exciting to see the growth and the continuation of Fifth Ward. And as you said, people migrate from everywhere um, to come to Houston, and in Fifth Ward, it is a... Uh, almost 50-50 mix of African-American, but then also some of our Latinx populations. So we have folks from Grenada, from the Dominican, El Salvador, um, other Latin countries. So it's been a really awesome blend of culture and um, excitement in Fifth Ward. Absolutely. Um, I was, I forgot what event I was on. This was maybe about two years ago and a young Asian lady, you know, saying that, you know, yeah. And I, and I, yeah, because, um, my neighborhood, they're redeveloping that. Yeah. I live in fifth ward. I said, you a fifth ward lie. She's like, no, no, really. I do. I, I live in fifth ward. I'm like, you live in fifth ward. <laughs> we actually like, have yeah, a, really a wonderful up. Asian population, Asian culture. One of our, um, 
current, well, one of the residents who we know who is of Asian descent, who grew up in Fifth Ward, is world-renowned artist Mel Chen. So Mel Chen is a phenomenal conscious artist who has done work in L.A. with the La Brea Tar Pits, New Orleans after Hurricane um, Katrina. He did a wonderful exhibit a couple of years ago, well, maybe last year, in Times Square, and he credits Fifth Ward for that. His family actually used to own a grocery store here, and he credits his growth and, and his mind to growing up in this historic neighborhood. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you for uh, educating me on that. I was just like, I was so surprised. And then, uh, you know, just seeing the, 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 uh, the coming up of all of the wars, especially Fifth Ward and just Houston as a whole. I mean, we are the most diverse city now, not only in the country, but in the world. Um, with some of the, uh, the, the programs, uh, when it comes to arts and culture, you know, Harrison, you, you all have a plethora of things to offer. Yes. Especially one being the deluxe theater. Yeah, for sure. You know, the, the deluxe theater is located on Lyons Avenue. And at one point, um, in, in its first original state, it was one of the only places that black people could see movies. Um, so lots of people came into Fifth Ward to see movies at that time. It's been renovated to, to be a full theater, theater where you can see music, you can see theatrical productions, as well as movies as well. And next door to it, we have a gallery space that'll be um, a visual art exhibition space. Um, and so what's really exciting about not only the Deluxe and Lions Avenue is that, you know, the Fifth Ward Cultural Arts District is a new cultural arts district in Texas is the first African-American cultural arts district in our state. Um, and that is attributed to Fifth Ward just always being a place that had rich history, heritage, and art. Um, it's really known for its musical legacy. I mean, musical is, music is just in the bloodline of Fifth Ward with Cashmere um, being here in the area and Wheatley High School, um, those musicians that came out of there. And we're really excited about a project we're working on right now called Memory Builds the Monument. And it's a part of our cultural arts district plan. And what Memory Builds the Monument does is it asks the community, what are the assets you want to remember? You know, what's beloved to you? And of course, we have a long list of, of things that people said. And one of the first ones that came up was Club Matinee, which Club Matinee was the live um, music venue that was on Lines Avenue, opened up in 1936. And it's where all the greats played, Cab Calloway, uh, Little Richard, Aretha Franklin, Sam Cooke. Um, and so with Memory Builds the Monument, the goal is to, to to look at those assets and say, okay, how do we breathe new life into them? You know, how do what can we do with them today? And so with this one, we're doing a documentary. And so you mentioned mm -hmm. Isaac and Ayo earlier, and Isaac and the Ayo team are are working with us to create a documentary about Club Matinee. Um, and so mm -hmm. um, that's going to be released here late August. And so we're really excited about that. You know, COVID um, slowed us down a little bit on the process, but but it's a phenomenal film, and I can't wait for people to see it. Um, and because the Fifth Ward CRC is a community-driven organization. Alongside um, filming the documentary, we've been doing oral histories and uncovering um, what the community has to remember about Club Matinee. And one of the most exciting things was we found uh, a gentleman who is 80 years old who was underage but was in a band that played at Club Matinee, and he gave us a picture of him with his band members and him holding his saxophone. And so was really happy to, to now have that artifact. Um, and that's what we want to do is we want to collect these um, and archive them, these memories, these histories, and just celebrate the longstanding history of Fifth Ward. Man, that sounds so cool. Um, 
just all of the greats that you named uh, that performed there. Um, are there any photographs, artifacts, or anything from legendary performances from back then when the deluxe theater was jumping, jumping? Um, there are some, you know, there are some that are out there, but we're hoping to get more because as you know, um, you know, at that time, a lot of these were personal photos. These are photos that people took for themselves and not just professional photos. And so that's why the work of being in the community and really getting the community oral histories is really important because we know most of the things that we want are in people's homes. And so we're really uh, stretching far and wide to, to get the community to tell us about those memories. Yeah, this, uh, Harrison, this is Larry, um, kind of sounds like uh, getting the artifacts for the uh, National Bank Museum in, in, in Washington. There, There's so many families that held on to so many small nuggets of, of things that we could really uh, add to, to, to the collection. So we're, we're, we're happy to help get the word out that if you have something yeah. that you don't mind parting with, donate it because that history is uh, invaluable. Could Lyons Avenue, guys, at some point in time be compared to as Black Broadway or the Black Wall Street of our era? Because I understand back in the day, it was absolutely amazing to travel down Lyons Avenue. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, it, it was a through line through the community, but it was a place of entrepreneurship along with art and just a place where black people could just live and be free and and have enjoyment and dream and imagine. Um, it was that type of street. And what? So, so when did the name Frenchtown go away and Fifth Ward took over? Or is there such a thing? <laughs> Or was that French just just town, in well, culture change, people change, times change? Exactly. Okay. That's what it was. It was, you know, just culture shifting, neighborhoods shifting. Um, French town was birthed out of Fifth Ward. Okay. Um, it was full of Creole natives, um, those coming in from Louisiana and, and other parts of Texas. And so they ended up creating their own smaller neighborhood within Fifth Ward. And then they migrated to shift once like redlining happened and neighborhoods grew, things like that. That's kind of how Frenchtown came to be, but they are still a part of the Fifth Ward history. Um, and so we, we love and celebrate all things in Frenchtown, especially when we think about some of our favorite things like Zydeco music that was birthed out of Fifth Ward mm-hmm. and Frenchtown legends. So we, we enjoy having that similar history as uh, Frenchtown. Excellent. Yeah. You guys have um, some great programs um, up there helping people from the home ownership to the uh, community and economic uh, development. Uh, Is the grab and go meals for families, uh, is that still going on every Tuesday? Well, sadly, um, we are not doing that at the moment, um, but we had a wonderful partnership with a community organization called Be a Champ, and Be a Champ helped us really provide meals and services for families for the entire year. So we were able to provide over 300 meals for families um, from April to December of last year, and then we've 
partnered with the Houston Food Bank this year and Legacy Community Health on providing opportunities and access for food distributions. There's been other local um, nonprofits that have hosted biweekly food distributions in the neighborhood. And then we've recently been working with Legacy Community Health, Pleasant Hill Senior Living, and Harvest Market to do um, a grow a grab and grocery day. So Harvest Market has this wonderful grocery trolley that that comes to Pleasant Hill every other Tuesday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. and it and it's a it's a really cool grocery cart uh, grocery trolley. You can get everything on there from frozen foods, cereal, uh, some of your spirits, some of your family necessities, things like that. And it's giving our seniors and local community members an opportunity to go and grocery shop again. Like, you know, we took for granted how awesome it was to just go into the grocery store once COVID hit. And so this is giving our residents a new way of going into the grocery store by having the grocery store come to them. So this is part of uh, helping to reduce uh, the food desert that uh, plagues that area, that community. Yes. So by by, uh, providing ways of bringing food in and not having people have to leave the neighborhood if they are unable to. So we bring the grocery trolley to them. We've hosted, we've helped host different community food drives, working with the Houston Food Bank on providing Um, senior boxes, the Hester House, which is another local um, community nonprofit and uh, community center. They do these really cool uh, Sunday suppers. So they tend to have about 150 uh, participants with this Sunday supper, and they send out a food box in which they create recipes and the seniors have been loving it because they've been able to interact on zoom with their friends and their neighbors and cook a meal together so we're definitely looking and and identifying multiple options for increasing food uh food security here in fifth ward along with like securing water and basic necessities um really trying to make sure we're assisting when it comes to disaster services such as helping to repair pipes and windows, foundation. Um, We really try to make sure we take a holistic approach to community development in making sure that our families are taken care of, whether they are in their homes or outside their homes. How are the uh, alumni associations from Cashmere or Wheatley High Schools playing in to play with you guys in this redevelopment? Well, they... You know, they, they they often be a little bit of a rival over there. Yes, ma'am. So. Just a little bit. Teenage <laughs> bit. <laughs> you know, bit. you're either Cashmere or you're Wheatley, and we, we love them both. And they actually have a hand in a lot of the community support and community projects that go on in Fifth Ward. Cashmere, as you know, they are their own community, Correct, and yeah. they they do a lot of great work over there. A community friend of ours, Keith Downey, has just been phenomenal in getting and gaining a lot of community support for activities and projects. And then over here with the Wheatley alumni, we work heavily with Joetta Stevens, who is mm-hmm. the president of our um, super neighborhood, Ernestine Lloyd, who does 
as our Fifth Ward Civic Club and uh, Dr. Jane McCullough, who has KEW Academy, and they just really do fabulous work in getting support, getting support um, for things and, and making sure that, you know, Wheatley is always involved. It's always at the tip of our tongue. And then we also work with the current administration and the current uh, parent support groups at Wheatley as well. Well, if I didn't mention that while I'm here, my <laughs> wife and the entire Wheatley Alumni Association would have hung me by my toenail. Because I, oh, I, yeah. I, I married a Wheatley girl. She, she graduated 87 out of Wheatley. So that's what I just wanted oh, to yeah. get that in for those two historical high schools who just seem to always have a lot of fun with each other, one way or the oh, other. Oh, yes, indeed. It's one of their, their um, the Wheatley and the Cashmere football game is one of the biggest rivalry mm-hmm. football games in the city. In the city and yeah. just being able to be a part and, and have and witness that is always exciting. Well, I haven't yet, so maybe this year. I you to, should, you KG. It's something special. It is something special. Before we get out of here, um, anything on the arts and cultural tip that uh, we should look forward to, Harrison, or uh, people need to tap into? Um, sure. Well, three things. Um, the first thing is y'all were talking about Wheatley, and I have to give a shout out to the class of 81 that will be celebrating a big anniversary this year here at the Deluxe in the fall. So just a shout out to all of my 81 Wheatley people. Um, and then if you are a art or artist that wants to get involved, um, you can get involved with us at the Cultural Arts District here in Fifth Ward. We're looking for artists. We love to ask artists, what the, what's your Fifth Ward story? Um, and if you feel you have a Fifth Ward story and want to get involved with us, please contact us. Um, and then the last thing is to look out for that film that's coming out at the end of August from Memory Bros. The Monument celebrating Club Matinee, which was the Cotton Club of the South. No doubt. Shar <laughs> yeah. Goss, the Community Initiatives Manager for Fifth Ward CRC, and Harrison Guy, the Director of Arts and Culture for Fifth Ward CRC. Man, thank you, too, for coming on the Public Affairs Podcast. No, thank you. Thank, thank you, you so for having much us. for having us. No doubt. And thank you for listening to the Public Affairs Podcast. On behalf of Uncle Funky Larry Jones, I'm KG Smooth, and we will see you next week.